This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, tonight is the night. Thousands of Canadians will be watching what's happening south of the border as President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden square off in the final debate before the November 3rd election. The hope is that it will actually be a debate as opposed to the kind of thing we heard last time. Vote and let your senators know how strongly you feel. Let vote now. Make sure you, in fact, let people know your senator. I'm not going to answer the question because because the question is the question is the question left. Will you shut up, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so right. Gentlemen, is, I think this we've is ended so this. unprecedented. We have ended this segment. I'll say. OK, well, the rules have been changed so that each candidate will be allowed to talk for two minutes at a time while the other's mic is muted. And of course, the question is, what do each of them have to accomplish? How much will it matter? And can we believe the polls that show Joe Biden in the lead? Because that is what they showed for Hillary Clinton at this point in the race four years ago. Of course, We'd like to hear from you. Are you going to be watching? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's go to Dr. Chris Cooper, a political science professor at Western Carolina University, and Larry Haas, a former White House communications strategist who is a senior fellow at the U.S. Foreign Policy um in U.S. Foreign Policy at the American Foreign Policy Council. Hello and welcome to you both. Great to be here. Nice to be here. Okay, let us begin with Larry. So, Larry, what what does uh, Trump have to do? What does Biden have to do? Well, obviously, the burden uh, on Trump is uh, far, far greater than on Biden. What Biden needs to do is continue to reassure the American people that, in essence, he is a safe alternative uh, to the president, that he is not part of this radical left-wing agenda that Trump is always talking about. He is a man of the center. He is decent. He is honorable. And he is going to restore the mainstream values of America. Donald Trump is running out of time to dramatically change the direction of this race. And that's what he needs to do. He needs to dramatically change the direction because he is behind by sizable margins, both nationally, as well as in the key swing states that he won last time and needs to win again. And in fact, he's being challenged in places where Democrats simply should not be challenging a Republican incumbent like parts of the South, North Carolina, even in the uh, deep red state of Texas. So he has an enormous burden. And the question really is, even if he succeeds tonight, whether 11 days before the election with people overwhelmingly locked in in terms of who they're going to vote for, whether in fact it's too late. 
Okay, Dr. Chris Cooper, first of all, can we believe those polls which show Joe Biden ahead? Uh, we see the packed rallies. We've been hearing about uh, white male Trump supporters who have never voted before, who are being conscripted to vote. Um, it, do you believe the polls? I do believe the polls. Um, I believe the polls are giving us a good sense of where we are today. Um, I mean, remember, the national polls certainly showed Hillary Clinton ahead last time, but Hillary Clinton did, in fact, win the national popular vote. So the real issue in polling last time was was obviously in some of these swing states, particularly Wisconsin, I think. Many of us, I certainly was taken by surprise. Um, so I do put a good bit of stock in the polling data that's coming back. I think the polling industry has responded fairly well. I put more stock certainly in polls than I do in rally sizes. Um, uh, and, and I also think that the environment is a little bit different this year. Early voting has happened uh, to a much greater degree than than it did four years ago. For just one example, I'm talking to you from North Carolina today, one of the swing states. And in North Carolina, we already have about 2.4 million ballots that have already been cast. And so in some ways, that makes polling a lot easier, right? I think folks are more willing and more believable when they say who they will vote for if they've actually already cast that vote. So I've got a number of things that are keeping me up at night at the moment uh, related to politics and this election, but the quality of the polls is not right now one of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've I've heard some commentary that uh, President Trump is basically getting in his own way by concentrating on Hunter Biden and uh, also the way he's talking about the, the pandemic. Uh, do you agree with that, Larry? Absolutely. Uh, you know, when people go to the polls, whether they go in America or they go in Canada or they go in any other free and democratic state, they want to know what are you going to do for me over the course of your term? And in this particular case, it's America, so it's four years. Uh, the president has never laid out an agenda as to what the next four years are going to look like. The American people in the in the course of a pandemic that is apparently getting worse now again, and the deepest economic downturn in America since the Great Depression, do not care about Hunter Biden. Or, to the extent that they do care about Hunter Biden, they're already voting for Donald Trump. And just to um, uh, add one more point related to the polls on this score, uh, uh, the polls are, in fact, uh, accurate, uh, and they were, in fact, far more accurate last time than people understand. And, in fact, the president drew, in essence, an inside straight by turning a total of one-half of one percent uh, majority in three key swing states, while Hillary Clinton overall got three million more votes. Uh, than than he did across the country, and the polls tightened last time over the course of, in essence, the last two weeks, which is where really where we are now. And there's no indication that there are enough undecided voters to make that dramatic turn that helped Trump last time. Okay, uh, Doctor Cooper, in your view, what are the key groups? Is it a demographic, uh, a demographic group like 
older voters. I've I've been reading stories that it's uh, suburban wine moms. Uh, so and and we saw Trump have that uh, kind of uh, weird plea: suburban women love me or whatever he said right. there. Uh, what's your view of that? You know, I, I do think there is something to the, the suburbs being maybe one of the last battlegrounds really in American politics. I mean, it's no secret that the urban areas are going to be dark blue and the rural areas will be bright ruby red. And so it makes sense that the last battleground are the suburbs. I think the problem is that Donald, the way Donald Trump paints suburban women in particular is a little too much June Cleaver and, uh, 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 in other words, sort of a 1950s kind of view of what he thinks that white suburban women are like. And the reality is, of course, that white suburban women are, you know, come from various walks of life, and a whole lot of them aren't white, right? The suburbs are increasingly diversifying in America. And I think his view, he's, he's putting these people in a box that I'm not sure belong in that box. But I do agree that that is the geographic group and the demographic group in some ways that may provide really the last key that he has left. So if he started with a pretty full keychain, I think the last key that he can turn um, before this election will probably center around the suburbs. Larry, do you agree with that? And what about the older demographic? Uh, I've been reading and uh, talking to people who say that those people that were solidly in favor of Trump are turning against him, or at least some of them are. Yes, I mostly agree um, uh, with Chris. Um, Certainly, uh, he's got two basic problems. Uh, First, women, white women in particular, and in particular from the suburbs, are fleeing Donald Trump. They, they uh, very much flee the Republican Party in the midterm elections of 2018, and Trump has made the problem only worse. Secondly, and you referenced this when you were asking me the question, uh, older Americans, they went overwhelmingly for Donald Trump last time. They tend to be more Republican than Democratic in an average election. Uh, they are uh, they have swung to a great extent, largely because they're worried about the pandemic and they don't think the president handled it very well. And um, they are going uh, now uh, for Joe Biden. If the president cannot turn things around among older voters and uh, white suburban women, um, then he's not going to change the trajectory of this race. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about the older voters and the pandemic. So Donald Trump keeps saying that they've had a great response. Uh, I'm assuming that most people can figure out that uh, the U.S. basically has uh, the the worst record in the Western world. And um, what about the way he's comported himself since he was sick, Chris? It hasn't been good uh, to be to be uh, brief about it. Um, you know, I do not think that he's curried any favor. I don't think that he's gained any ground with his response to COVID nineteen. Um, the fact that uh, you know he had the best medical care that's possible in the United States and he was able to recover faster than others. Um, I think most people look at that and, and say, "Hey, you know, if only I had that kind of health care." Um, most people in the United States know somebody who has been touched, perhaps who has passed away from COVID-19. So I, I do not 
think this tone is helping, but it is pure Trump, right? He uh, Something that is considered a weakness, he doubles down on it and tries to make it into a strength. That did somehow work for him in 2016. I, I tend to think it probably will not work as well this time that, that folks might have, have finally gotten sort of hip to, to what he's doing. Hmm. Um, and ag- again, the COVID-19 response, in your view, Larry, I mean, do people at all believe him when he says that the United States is doing fabulously well? Only people who are purposefully ignorant. And that would be, I presume, the same people who Donald Trump famously said about. Uh, I could shoot somebody on uh, in the middle of Fifth Avenue in New York and they would still support me. That is approximately 30 to 35 percent of Americans. Wow. He has got another five to 10 percent of Americans who will hold their nose because they know Donald Trump's a despicable person, but they like the tax cuts and they like the conservative judges that he's putting on the court. And they think that that's worth the price. And that's why he's got a total of between 40 and 45 percent. The rest of America think that he has handled, the, and the polls show this, uh, that he has handled the pandemic uh, abysmally. And I have spoken to people uh, of all ages, frankly, who were going to support Donald Trump, if not for his response to the pandemic. I suspect that if COVID-19 had not happened, we'd be looking at a race that the polls would show the candidates were probably even. And uh, it would really be a question of, uh, you know, nip and tuck and turnout and all the rest. I think the gap that we are seeing now is largely in response to COVID-19 and uh, the economic downturn. And what about his portraying of Joe Biden as as being gaga, basically? Uh, How is that going? Doesn't it just kind of lower the expectations for Biden, Chris Cooper? Yeah, I think it does, right? There's an old old lines about debates, right, that, that all you need to do is to beat expectations. So by lowering expectations for Biden, I think Trump could certainly be running counter to his own interests. And, um, you know, I agree completely with what was said before, too, about the types of folks that are, are supporting him. I mean, really, we are in an incredibly polarized country. And so uh, partisanship in the United States is a hell of a drug. And I think um, a lot of people are on that drug right now. And so no matter what he does, there is a small group that will never move. There's, of course, a small Democratic group that will also never move. Um, in a country this tight, though, the very small number of people who are left in the middle are going to decide this election. And I do not think they're going to be happy um, hearing Trump continually, you know, frankly, make fun of the former vice president of the United States and mock COVID-19. Uh, you've had uh, a Libby, lot of- if I can Go just um, sure. add a point to that about Joe Biden. Um, you'll, you'll recall when you asked at the beginning, what does Joe Biden need to do tonight? And I said, continue to be reassuring. Um, that's actually what I meant. Donald Trump has made him out to be a person who can't string two sentences together. And the American public has been reassured by watching debates, watching town hall meetings that Biden has appeared at, looking at the TV ads. You know what? He's 77 years old, but he's fine and he's decent and he's reassuring. And this 
reminds me very much of the election campaign we had 40 years ago, 40 years ago, between the incumbent president, Jimmy Carter, and the Republican challenger, uh, Ronald Reagan. And Jimmy Carter portrayed Ronald Reagan as this frightening figure who's going to, you know, basically launch a nuclear war against the Soviets. Well, they had their first debate. Ronald Reagan looked like a reasonable guy, very reassuring, and the election was over. And I think this election is very much like that. As long as Joe Biden continues to be reassuring, it doesn't matter what Donald Trump says about him. Okay, final question. Uh, Very quickly, if we could, uh, Donald Trump has said he may not accept the result of the election if he loses. uh, And a lot of the uh, advanced ballots won't be counted till the day of. So how worried are you about that? And uh, when do you think we will actually know the results, starting with Dr. Cooper? Uh, so earlier I said that pollster, poll quality did not keep me up at night, but something related to this election does. And you just hit the nail on the head. This is the thing that keeps me up at night. Um, it does worry me when he will not acknowledge that he would accept the results of the election. Um, I think we may have to wait a little while longer than usual, and that may lead to more chaos. And, of course, chaos is Donald Trump's friend. So, yes, that is what keeps me up at night. Okay. And Larry? Uh, I agree that it is very troubling. Uh, The threat increases if the election is close. If it is a blowout election, if we know either on election night or even within the next few days as states are reporting that this really has been a blowout, that, you know, Biden is way ahead in the Electoral College, I am less concerned, particularly if the Democrats take back uh, the Senate and retain uh, the House. And on election night, We may get an inkling of that because we may have final results from Florida. If Biden wins Florida, the election's over. If he doesn't win Florida, if Trump wins Florida, then, you know, we may need to wait a few days to see who the president's going to be. Okay, well, it's uh, certainly an exciting race with a huge amount at stake, and hopefully we will be talking about this sometime soon. Wish you all the best for... uh Uh, A a clear election. Thank you so much, Dr. Chris Cooper and Larry Haas. Enjoyed it. Thank Thank you. you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.